good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, O Lord! How profound your thoughts! Senseless people do not know, fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass and all the evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and therefore, and there is no wickedness in him. Uh, you're going to have to indulge me a bit this morning. I've got three of my favourite things in today's sermon to just um, help us get into this passage. And hopefully I can bring up the first one for you. First one. No, not soccer. So there's no soccer, okay? Um, the first one is my favourite movie. Okay, a little clip from here, from there. I think we've got it. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. So the movie, if you don't know it, is uh, the 80s classic, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's Ferris Bueller. And the quote again, in case you missed it, he says this. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. And you know, Ferris Bueller, he had it right. He, uh, sorry. Because in the film, Ferris and his friends, what happens is they take a day off high school. They, they wag school, basically. Because Ferris knows that the non-stop roller coaster of high school is about to come to an end. And they're about to jump onto the next non-stop roller coaster of university, of work, of the rest of their lives. And what Ferris does is he simply tunes in to what God knows and what God's had built into the fabric of our creation. That life is not all about doing and working and achieving, that, those are part of life. They're important parts of it. But it's important to stop and look around once in a while. So Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 on the screen. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. 
So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, God wasn't tired. He's God. He, he, he didn't need a tea break after all that hard work. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that movie, resonates with us because God has set things up with the idea that it is good to take time out. God has set things up so we don't get so busy doing life that we forget the point of life, glorifying God by resting, resting in his grace, enjoying who he is and what he's done. Well, let's assume we do stop once in a while and take a look around. What can we stop and look at? What, what's the best way to use our day off? And we could talk all day about um, what the Bible says about Sabbath, about a day of rest. But concentrating on Psalm 92 today, this has the title, A Song for the Sabbath Day. In other words... When we do step off the merry-go-round and actually take some distance to have a look at it, this is, Psalm 92 is the ideal song for us, a song worth singing. This song instructs us, um, gives voice to us, um, to us considering what is life all about. The Psalms are really good for putting into words what's on your heart, and this one's no exception. It gives words to what is worth singing about, gives us a glimpse of our eternal rest with God that we can bring into the here and now. So just to tell you where we're up to, this is the second in our series of three Psalms we're looking at. Um, and Psalm 92 is kind of in a trio. Psalm 90 is about uh, we are to number our days, live in the light of the fact that God is sovereign and rely on him. Last week we looked at Psalm 91 and we saw that if we turn to God for refuge and shelter, he will save us. And now in Psalm 92, we take a time out to sing thanks and praise about all of this. So if we were in a movie or a musical, we're, we're at this part where everything's been resolved and you get the closing number which summarizes everything, that, all the lessons that have been learned. So if you're watching Greece, this is We Go Together. If you're watching Joseph, where um, Any Dream Will Do. If you're watching High School Music, Musical, we're all in this together. No, nobody's resonating with that one. Okay, that's good. That's good. All right, let's delve into these lyrics. Um, there's an outline in your leaflets there, simple one. First of all, we'll have a look at what a good song it is to sing. What a good song it is to sing. So looking at verses 1 to 5. When we do stop and have a look around once in a while, it's good to praise God. And not just with words alone. Praising God in song to music is a good thing to do. So let's have a look at verse 1. From verse 1, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name. O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. So day and night, sing what is so good about God 
with music. And that word, I love this, the word for the ten-string lyre there, actually in the original language, Hebrew, that just says to the music of the ten. That sounds really rock and roll, doesn't it? I think, I like, I think it's like saying, calling a guitar an axe. So, you know, let's hear it for Bartholomew on the lute. Um, over on Rocking on the Harp tonight, we've got Jacob and bringing it home on the ten, Joseph. That's not in the Bible, that's just my imagination running away with me. So, why is it good to, pr- to praise the Lord? Well, for two reasons. It's good for us, and it's intrinsically good because it's in tune with reality, in harmony with how things really are. So first, how is, God, how is singing God's praises good for us? Well, music is a great gift from God. And it engages us in so many ways. So here's my second indulgence. Uh, Robert, this is um, a snippet of my favorite ever song. Thank you for putting up with that. That's good. So you, you, you think of your own favorite piece of music. but That's mine. Um, and music we love engages us on so many different levels, doesn't it? So I could talk about that song technically, you know, the arrangement, the groundbreaking use for its time of computers. You know, it's 32 years old, that song. Um, I can tell you that played full blast in a nightclub, it still stand, holds its own as a great dance track. I can tell you, like a lot of um, songs by that band, New Order, the lyrics are vague enough to sound profound um, for you to make up your own sort of story to them. But there's also that thing with your favorite bit of music that you can't quite put your finger on about songs that really mean something to you, that they grab you, they involve your emotions and, and the depths of who you are that are otherwise hard to give voice to. And the best songs like this, they can turn a bad day into a good day. They can help you see clearly. They can help spur you on. Now, there's a quote, and I can't find out who said it, but it's really helpful, I think. You think a thought, you feel an emotion, but music helps you feel a thought. You think a thought, you feel an emotion, but music helps you feel a thought. And this is why it's good for us to sing God's praises. It's not just intellectually assenting to the truth, like just saying stuff is true about who God is and what he's done. Singing and music bring more of who we are, our head, our hearts, our emotions, our, our true voices to praising God. Singing helps us give voice to, verse 4, our gladness and joy. And even better still, we get to do that in community, together. And that brings it to a whole other level. So singing God's praises is good for us. Secondly, singing God's praises is intrinsically good. 
the English language is great, isn't it? We have lots of met musical metaphors that we use for when we know something is true. So we say it resonates with us. Uh, it's in harmony with what we know. It strikes a chord. It's in tune with the truth. And singing God's praises hits all those notes because it's expressing who God is and what he's done. So what is it that we can sing about? Verse 2, God's love, steadfast, sure, never-ending love. His faithfulness, always keeping his promises, always reliable, never changing. Verse 4, we can sing about his deeds, stuff God has done. Um, see, for the people of Israel singing this originally, God's goodness wasn't a doctrine or a set of just a set of beliefs. It was their lived history. It was their national history. Saved from slavery, sustained in the wilderness, and given their own promised land. Saved from their enemies on countless occasions. And we can all think of our own stories of God's deeds in our own lives. So we can sing about those. Um, and verse 4 and 5, we can sing about the work of God's hands, God's works of creation and his instruction and his teaching to humanity. See, we are made to be in right relationship with God, loving him with all that we are. And singing his praises is a way for us to bring all that we are to stop and look, stop and look around once in a while. Bring all of who we are to stop and look around at all that he is and glorify him for it. It's to bring into the here and now a glimpse of our eternity, our eternal, glorious, perfect future. So that's why we sing together, which, frankly, is a weird thing to do, isn't it? Where else do you do it? Like karaoke? Um, we're doing the soccer, but I've been to AFL games and nobody does organized singing there. Um, but this psalm tells us that singing together is a good thing to do. So sing. I, I've written a leaflet letter. I'm not a good singer, but don't let that stop you. Singing. Sing to encourage one another. Because um, even if you are terrible, that, that communal act of, of us all singing God's praises, literally literally all singing from the same hymn sheet, it is, is being obedient to him. It's expressing the truth about him and glorifying him. It's good to praise the Lord. So on to our second heading, Sing a True Song, verses 6 to 11. Then in this bit of the psalm, it says, If someone said to the songwriter, Well, that's all very nice, but you've not had the week I've had. How am I supposed to sing God's praises when everything is going so terribly wrong? You know, no one in my life cares about God. In fact, they're all really pleased with themselves because the worse they are, the better off they seem to be. The more wrong they do, the more they seem to flourish. How can I sing praises faced with that? It's an understandable objection, isn't it? That evil certainly seems to be flourishing in the world. 
Well, the psalmist has anticipated such an objection. So from verse 6, senseless people do not know, fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. See, a great thing about this psalm is it doesn't dodge the realities of life. It doesn't pretend that everything is okay right now. You know, singing God's praises is not a psychological crutch to help us to forget our troubles. You know, this psalm would originally have been used in the temple, in synagogues. It brings the problem that bad, good things seem to happen to bad people right into the middle of the worship service. So rather than denying the problem, the psalm deals with it by exposing the temporary nature of the flourishing of evil, by lifting the lid on how things really are. This psalm gives us the right lyrics to be singing. The right lyrics. Now, have you ever thought you've gotten to know a song and you've been happily singing it to yourself all these years only to find out you had the lyrics wrong? Well, you've had my favorite movie. You've had my favorite song. Now, this is uh, my favorite comedian, a book called uh, Peter Kay, talking about misheard lyrics. Thanks, Robert. You know that song, We Are Family? For years, I thought they were singing, Just Let Me Staple the Vicar. Right? <laughs> who's right and who's wrong here? Listen. All of the people around us, they say, can they be that close? Just let me stay for the vicar. Apparently, according to Michael, your burgers are the best. I can hear you The hot dogs go on. I believe that's the hot dogs. <laughs> when we reject God, when we deliberately go against His ways, it's because deep down we think we know better lyrics. And we mishear the lyrics of going well, of doing all right, springing up and flourishing, and we think we're better off with ourselves in the driving seat rather than God. So we end up singing the wrong lyrics to life. We become, verse 6, senseless or spiritually dull. But what seems to be thriving is actually only temporary and will be destroyed whilst God, verse 8, will be exalted forever. And in fact, you can read this psalm sort of from the inside out, like, like ripples coming out from a stone in, tossed into a pond. So verse 8 is the center, the ultimate truth. God is exalted forever. And that's sandwiched between the truth about those apparently flourishing enemies of God, that they will um, be forever destroyed, verse 7, and they will perish and be scattered, verse 9. So God is exalted forever. They will be forever destroyed. They will perish and be scattered. 
And verse 7 again, it looks like the wicked and the evil spring up and flourish. But verse 10, it is those praising God who will be made strong and blessed. That's um, what the horn and being anointed with oil means. That they'll be made strong and blessed. And verse 6, whilst the, the senseless of verse 6 mishear the lyrics, those singing God's praises in verse 11 have it, the, his eternal perspective of their defeat. So the upshot is, yes, life is hard. Yes, living for God will make things harder. Yes, there will be times when there are those who are against God or, ev or even just live without even thinking of him will seem better off. It will often seem like evil is winning. But evil is a one-hit wonder, whilst God's praise will go on forever. So keep coming back to the Psalms and to the rest of the Bible to see how things really are, to get God's true perspective on life and learn the right lyrics. So, we've seen it's good to praise the Lord, good for us, and good because it's in harmony with reality. We've seen how music and song help us to do that with all that we are. And we've seen that God is exalted forever, whilst evil will be forever destroyed. And now we come to our last point. This last part of the psalm where we see that this is a simple song. A simple song. The simple truth is, the way to flourish in life is to stay rooted in the simple truth that God is good. The way to flourish in life is to stay rooted in the simple truth that God is good. So have a look at verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. So palm trees and cedars, were the, they were the strongest, most productive trees. Carrying on, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Um, so planted in the house of the Lord, flourish in the courts of God, bring to mind the temple. Uh, in other words, the righteous will flourish being near to God, praising him, following his ways. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. The reality is, it is the righteous who will flourish, who will be fruitful, not the wicked. And this brings to mind the very first psalm, Psalm 1. So please read Psalm 1 and 2 uh, later. They pretty much sum up the whole of Psalms. But Psalm 1 begins like this. Um, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Sorry, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The trouble is, that word um, in verse 12 of Psalm 92, righteous. Which of us can call ourselves 
righteous. Because all of us have, perhaps even this week, walked in step with the wicked. And we often fail to delight in the law or in God's teachings. Or as it says in Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in 1 John, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if we're not righteous, how can we flourish? Well, it's because, verse 15, God is good. The Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. All the evil we see around the world can, can make us question, how can God allow such terrible things to happen? And the question behind that question is, is God really good? Well, this psalm tells us, yes, he is upright. That is, he's perfectly straight down the line, honest, absolutely morally good. There is no wickedness in him. So whatever the reason those events of evil are allowed to happen, it's not because God has a dark side. So whilst evil may occur, God can never be said to be evil. Evil is the opposite of who God is, and that is part of what we proclaim. People can do unspeakable things because they think they're doing the right thing uh, for their God or that their eternity will show them to be, to be the right thing to do. But evil is never the right thing to do. Acts of evil never were and never will be the right thing to do because they're not God's ways. God has shown his goodness most clearly in Jesus Again from 1 John, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This good God is our rock, our firm foundation from which to sing his praises. Through Jesus, God has made the way for us to be counted as righteous. If anybody, this is from 1 John again, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And the result of this? See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. This is the truth we are to remain rooted in. This is the truth we sing about, that in Jesus, God has shown his goodness, that we get Jesus' righteousness. He's done it all, done all that is needed to make us part of his family, freeing us up to sing his praises. So finally, just in case we miss it, another good thing to do with the Psalms is check out the beginning and the end of each psalm, because like the middle, it often tells you what the main point is. So verse 1, it's good to praise the Lord. And what should we say in praise? Verse 15, the Lord is upright. He is my rock 
and there is no wickedness in him. It is good to praise the Lord. He is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. So, life moves pretty fast. So do, regularly, as God has built into creation, stop and look around once in a while. And what's the best way to do that? Praise the Lord. It's good to praise the Lord. Good for us, and good because it's singing the truth. It's good to praise the Lord because he is exalted forever, while the wicked and evildoers will not flourish but be destroyed forever. It's good to praise the Lord because he is good. Amen.